0: Namota sabagoato, rahato, sama, sambuddha, sam, namota rahato, sama, sambuddha, 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 Have a a few minutes to uh, practice something. Suggestion might help to um, highlight the talk instructions or the presentation. The uh, theme of the practice of this particular practice is um, it's an open, steady sense of so what (laughs) I thought you'd like that (laughs) this is very fine balance it's not defensive or, or dismissive so what it's an open at ease so what it's just that so what if the body's like this so what if the feelings are like this Um, so what this is just uh not making anything if the mind is making something so what (laughs) Is to meet whatever arises in that uh with that suggestion, it's not dismissive, negative, it's just that's this, there's nothing more to be made with this. let it be what it is. Just the reminder—it's as holistic. So, if we feel ourselves just uh, sensing it emotionally. Then, remember, there is a body. We sense ourselves just thinking it. Remember, there is a heart. You know, so, it's all of it. So, the fullness, as full as as full as we can be, as willing as we can be, as much here as we can be. Just not more than that. Exploring the fullness with this uh, sense of equanimity. Mm -hmm. So what? What next? Mm -hmm. Place of arrival. so as we are um coming towards the last stages of the retreat and and this feels a certain sense of uh there's always a lot more that could be explained and talked about in the in the training and cultivation of the mind but this is just one retreat and i hope it's something that uh, takes its place amongst the many and you have enough uh, interest and inspiration to practice some more and hear um, other tips and techniques and advice from other teachers to fill out all the pieces that are not being placed here in this particular session you can't do it all <laughs> you know and but really it's like dividing up the cake of dhamma where you want you know you can chop into three five ten hundred twenty eight eighty four thousand it's really getting the sense that it's you know it's just how many t- how many slices you want to make it, the cake how many times you want to cut it up you know can all be, you know, we could say it's just the four foundations of mindfulness or the Four Noble Truths or Sila Samadhi Panya or the Eightfold Path or, you know, these are, these are the ways with the cake can be sliced up. You know, the main thing is that recognize that every, every morsel of the cake has the same taste. It should have, has the same taste. So, you know, you get a bit, then it has the same basic ingredients. You know, it's, it's goodness. Truthfulness, it's, it's delightful, there's beauty, there's space, there's openness, there's freedom in that. Mm-hmm. taste of freedom, something that we instinctively, intuitively find ourselves you know opening towards, like the, the flower moving towards the sunlight. It just turns that way, because it is naturally a pasiko, inviting one, encouraging one, encouraging, inviting. you. know, and uh, even through the pains and the stresses that we experience, so why the Four Noble Truths is so helpful, you know, suffering, cis- origin, cessation, path, and this reminder that the, the cessation of suffering is really through hand, right at the place of the origin of it, where it rises up. And this is, you know, it's an easy enough concept. <laughs> it's a mysterious concept Mm. Mm. but it is the same force of the tanha or thirst a pathological pull reflex a pathological need reflex a pathological push reflex and it's in just managing that reflex the dispassionate open cool acceptance management release of that reflex you know how do you release a reflex you don't release it through tightening up around it pushing it away you release through a sense of even this is okay it's like this Uh, with the recognition that in order to to uh, come to that place we have to put some limitations and checks on our, our behavior mental, physical, verbal behavior, which tends to rush in and cover it all up. It tends to rush into doing and being and having and busyness and stuff. And that's just what happens. It's like a reflex that pulls into defense. It's a reflex that pulls into ignorance. A tanha or thirst or craving and ignorance, avoidance, not being in touch with, obscuring, forgetting, all of this senses, the two go together and the tanha does not want to be seen, it pulls the ignorance over it. <laughs> it says it's somebody else or in the future or I can't do it or it doesn't really matter or it's his problem it's the world, it's my body, it's my life it's this, that and the other it, says, you know, it just stops you getting to the point and that, so that reflex of tanha and avijja, ignorance and craving is then we have to somewhere where check, restrain, as best we can, you know. Just, is it okay to experience this pull, this need, this sense of self with its histories and stories? And then can we get right to the point of it so the stories come down to one point, which is this vulnerability, this frailness, this pain, this unsteadiness, this neediness, this unresolvedness, which... Maybe extremely acute in some cases. In other cases, it's just a slight dull what's going on. I don't, you know, sense that, sense of something like that. And something wanting to fill it up with something, you know, fill it up with something. And from there, so that fill it up with something rings around the uh, system called uh, clinging or grasping or feeding. These are just, remember all these words are metaphors. So they're just... Trying to... And the Buddha used a lot of very co- uh, stark, sometimes stark language to really highlight things that, you know, what if we just let pass by? I mean, it's not that, oh, well, you know, the Buddha's saying, no, this is called clinging. <laughs> this is called craving. You know? And you think, I don't crave, you know. And... <laughs> But then uh, the Buddha kind of highlighting something, mm-hmm. saying, "Well, just wait till it waits you to go without for a while, then you'll see what happens." <laughs> and, uh, and the clinging and the craving, the, the <laughs> thirst, and they're trying to fill it up. And the various ways it is described. This, and again, this could be uh, kind of an endless discourse. The Buddha taught for uh, you know, forty-five years. We've only got another couple of days. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, he felt he had to make the point many many times because the reflex just kicks in again you know and it, it grabs hold of anything to fill up you know and so there one time he described it as four particular ways in which we fill up we pull the ignorance over us we embed and there's a sen- sensuality that is giving you something to feed on taste, touch, see think about Pull that in, you know. So I don't have to feel that. Don't have to be open anymore. Pull something in, yeah. Becoming and not becoming. Pull, pull in a some kind of project or annihilation. Either becoming something, you know, even refined levels of becoming enlightened or becoming spiritual, or you know, and then the annihilation, which is, let me avoid this openness. This, this thirst with annihilating myself uh, annihilating in a sense it doesn't matter, I don't care, who cares, doesn't no point why bother, you know, dump, forget dump, dump, you know, I'm not here anyway yeah. <laughs> that, that uh, sense uh, and uh, clinging to views uh, I'll write, write systems, customs, how to organize my life, systems, structures, customs, techniques, meditation techniques, um, ways you organize your day, um, where you play tennis, anything, you know, becomes the way that makes me feel steady and secure and established. I feel nice and steady because I've got my a system going for me. I organize myself around these sense systems. And these actually, you know, like all of this is something that is there for us. We all, you know, have systems, customs, ways of doing things. Uh, there is something to be done and something to be, part, you know, to be stopped. There's definitely those energies. There are, There is sense contact. So this is what we're born into, and the Buddha is saying, not saying this shouldn't be there, but just watch out how these can be used, could be clung to in order to avoid or not notice something quite fundamental that we're really not so at ease with. So it's not that we shouldn't have systems and customs. When do they become scaffolding? You know. <laughs> Whereas if I'm outside of my system, I feel a little wobbly. You know, things are going wrong, things are going wrong. You know. And, uh, you know, so we look for the meditation system that's going to make me feel nice and steady and secure and every little thing is in place. Don't have to feel that kind of open, slightly raw, uh, you know, thing there. Now, this is, again, to emphasize there are systems, there are traditions, there are customs, there are techniques. How do we use those with wisdom rather than ignorance? You know, how do we use them just to kind of create some calm, some steadiness, some open space, some clarity, some virtue? So, that yeah, you know, this is, all these things contribute to holistic opening, opening the body-mind. You know, opening it, something we feel steady with, and within that there'll still be that somewhere in there the the unresolved. Yeah, you know, it could be, and we may think it's because of our past, or because of our people around us, or because of our future doesn't look so good, or because of our something wrong with ourselves. You know. Mind isn't very good, body isn't very good, the whole thing's shot. <laughs> <laughs> and where's all that happening? Mm-hmm. So, one of the most powerful ways in which this, this ignorance is, is pulled over. The, the dukkha, the, the wound, the uncertain, the unresolved, is a sense of self, notion of self. I am, I was I never will be, I always am. I ought to be if only I was, you know, I really am, you know whatever. you know who's that? Who's that? Where's that going? Who's that? Mm -hmm. And the Buddha said, well, you know, some people manage to, you know, just chill out on the sense level. You know, they're pretty chilled, pretty restrained, pretty collected. They've got that one. They're chilled out. They're easy with that. It's not a problem for them. Very few people or very few beings manage to get past the sense of being something. Even, you know, people with profound meditative experiences tend to sense they are are something. You know, they are the awareness, the purity, the deathless, the whatever, you know. Uh, And some of them really make a big deal out of it, actually. (laughs) which always seemed to me slightly suspect like why, why do you have to make such a big deal out of it what's the push what's the push you know behind that what's the need to be affirmed to be seen to be, to be known as you know yeah. and interestingly one of the training rules of the in the monastic vineyard is that even if you have profound realizations, you're not supposed to really talk about it, even if it's true. Because it's just you know, it doesn't need to be doesn't need to be propped up by some self-affirmation. <laughs> just let it be the way it is. Let it happen. You know, <laughs> and uh, if you want to help people, just do what you can. People know, know a good thing when they see it. They don't have to have somebody Putting down their business card. <laughs> 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 I'm one of these, you know. <laughs> so, a sense of the, the modest is, is, you know, we look at that. It's modest, but it's not bowed down. There's a sense of modest uh, steadiness. You just know, you know, whether suffering or not. And so they asked Ajahn Buddha who was one of these very renowned monks in Thailand, He's quite a revolutionary yeah. monk in his own ways, and they said, well, where are you? You know, you are Sotapanna, Stream Enterer, or Once Returner, Non-Returner, Aura where whereabouts are you on the ladder, you know, realizations? And he said, I... Uh, I don't bother with that. So I'm just trying to see whether I'm still any suffering left or not. That's all that counts. <laughs> That's my business, <laughs> you know. So we're just here to present, you know, present the Buddha's Dhamma. And you know, there they make a presentation. Realising there's 84,000 other presentations that could be made, and there's something there in every one of them. If there's come with some authenticity, you pick up something, and every piece of that cake has the same, should have the same flavor. If it doesn't have that flavor, don't buy it. (laughs) It should have the flavor of look for yourself, investigate, encouraging you, not feeling oppressed by it, not feeling you know, uh, you can't do this, you're just this, not feeling bowed down by it, not feeling it's hopelessly out of your reach and grasp, and no way you can make it unless you're, you know, angelic virtue and peerless samadhi and so forth, all these ultimates, then what does that do to your mind? Jeez, you know. (laughs) Is it all right just to be okay? (laughs) Is that possible Indeed. (laughs) Who can manage to be good enough? Yeah. Now, just a presentation in a somewhat humorous way, because not think this is some ultimate thing. But my one well, way way of presenting presenting things is: the best is not the best. The best is just good enough. It's not the ultimate. It's just the good enough is the, is the best. That's what you want. You don't want the perfect, the ultimate. The absolute, the totally still, totally serene. You just want the good enough. Because <laughs> that's the most difficult place to find. We tend to swing between the highs and the lows. Who can manage the good enough? Without sort of shrugging their shoulders as well. It's not it's not a dismissive good enough, it's just I'm oh, contented. This is yeah, I don't need to keep making anything more out of this. To I mean, that's a very that really is a profound <laughs> realization, because <laughs> the mind doesn't do that. The ordinary mind doesn't do that. Yeah, the mind is always being affected, and as it affects, it says, "Well, some more of that would be good. Less of that would be better." If only I could have this a little bit longer. If only I could have this sense of openness all the time. <laughs> no, 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 you know that, isn't it? <laughs> There's the old greed hanging, clutching again. <laughs> so we can clutch at the openness or the this lovely sense of total devotion. We have that all the time. Mm. Uh. That's what happens for you, wonderful. That's what happens for you. <laughs> but these are all conditions. Condition states that we can witness, experience, we can even develop them. And the Buddha is saying, Yes, there is a development in these. Um but the so far, only so far, is there a development in these. And then there's the realisation it's just this, it's just this. It says this the goal is not about favouring or opposing anything. The goal is not about favouring or opposing. Let's, um, let's let that take that in. It's not about favouring or opposing. Mm-hmm. So the balance, you know, you you don't tip over into the favouring or tip over into the opposing. It's not a. There's no line there. There's just the balance, and we can sense that inclinations for and against them. this is just an inclination it's just the karmic it's a sang- called a sankara an energy and inclination and then there's the balance which is the knowing the awareness you know and it's always you feel the movement is like a almost like a sort of dropping or could be rising you know but somehow it's a shift into something more whole complete you can't really name it as soon as you name it it's gone there's a complete wholeness what was all this about you know so that non-favoring, non-opposing, non-grasping non-clinging, non-feeding on and you know it seems to me the way it is that we can that can happen or it can be that and then the clinging comes in again oh that was nice, there's more of that you know whoops, there it goes again and so (laughs) uh, this is just the mind contemplating the the third uh, frame of reference the third establishment of mindfulness the mind, this is the exalted mind this is the despairing mind, this is the worrying mind, this is the rejoicing mind, this is just the mind, this is what it does, this is the palette, this is the spectrum. And the Buddha says, I know the whole lot, I know everything in the spectrum, from x-ray to infrared, from stuff you don't even see, I've been there. (laughs) You know, I've been out to levels of neither perception or non-perception, I've been there. The whole lot. And probably... Some of us have just got like four colours, and the Buddha says, "I've seen the whole range of you know, eighty-four thousand colours. I've been through the whole lot. It's just that. It's just that." Uh, there was one time when he was uh, talking the Venerable Ananda, and he was describing the different uh, levels of samadhi, and remember the Buddha encouraged you know, development of samadhi for collectedness, for well-being in the present moment, for gathering together virtue and skillful factors and to feeling good. So this is you and this is good food. This is good food. He says, you know, you can refine this stuff right down to, this, you know, these places where in a certain level of samadhi, the body starts to dissolve. You know, your one's embodiment experience, which is a matter of pressures and heat and flow, starts to... Becomes so kind of soft that it merges and it's not you haven't lost the body but just the body has transmuted the body's sense is transmuted into just the level of feeling, energy and perception very steady uh, and beautiful you know? and then that, even that can calm can get more refined away from stronger feelings to subtler feelings of space and openness and, and so on He's saying he gets this called the sphere of nothingness, the sphere of neither perception or non-perception. He said, if you want to cling to anything, this is the best thing you can possibly cling to. (laughs) But he's saying the deathless is the freedom of the mind from all clinging. The mind not taking a stand on anything. This is the deathless. So, if you want to cling, then do cling to this very refined spheres. This is where you can get the least agitation, the least trembling. But if you really want to, you know, finish your business, just stop clinging. Don't don't take a stand on. Don't favour or oppose. And then, what's 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 the requisite for that? Well, I think for most of us, you've got to get some sense of enough steadiness just to stop the endless reflex grasping and tangling and thrashing and despairing and lunging out, you know. So there's some gotta be some sense of we do sit here and <laughs> meditating, keeping precepts, yeah. You know? And then uh, you know, dependent on one's capacity at this particular time. You know, letting that develop, letting that calm. And to again fundamental Instru- my fundamental instruction for samadhi is just don't do what you don't need to do right now and what you are doing get into it and enjoy it and as soon as you find a little bit more you don't need to do stop doing that <laughs> it's not a very refined technique but it <laughs> It sort of covers, (laughs) I think it covers the whole range, really. (laughs) So if you want something that covers the whole capacities of many people, then you want something that is, is simple like that. Just if you find yourself thinking about the future, you don't need to think about the future, just try to find a way to stop doing that. Relax, come into the present, come into your body. You know, drop it. Wherever you find yourself starting to feel more steady and comfortable, be with that. Enjoy it. Take it in. And that's, that's the samadhi as a process, you know, as, and associated with wisdom and associated with care for assessment and wise development rather than some feverish demand that you get concentrated. Mm. The mind will by itself settle down if you give it the right food and and take it away from the, the crazy stuff it will do that it's just nature if it wasn't a natural thing to do don't do it don't mess yourself up with more hype and projects and stuff you feel you've got to do to be worthy enough you know it's just natural natural process and then the the, the realisation of the deathless or the unconditioned or Nibbana, where's that going to come from? Hmm. Now if, it's, we can't const- if it was something that we did or constructed it wouldn't be like that it wouldn't be unconstructed, unconditioned deathless, would it be? Another thing that I do hold on to for a while and then passes away so you're never going to do the unconditioned. you're never going to you know, make yourself get there you're never going to, it's not going to happen like that. But the, there's this, uh, the Buddha said, this is open. If we just get our doingness tidied up, settled to good enough, there's a possibility for that realization to, to arrive, you, know, you might say. This is this is the humility of it. No one, absolutely no one attains nibbana. <laughs> there are beings who have prepared the ground adequately for that to take place. So the humility of our practice is, is we just prepare the ground, take good care, tidy things up. Don't get fussy, don't get too picky, just tidy it up as best we can, settle down as best we can, open up as best we can, as willing as we can be at this particular time. We find the places where we're not willing, we don't want to go there, we're still frightened or defensive. Okay, okay, just wait, pause, give it all the time, the world, that and the healing of empathic presence. Just being there empathy, like a good friend, to one's distress, to one's tightness. If we can feel it in the body, the body responds quite well to that kind of approach. Like just gently stroking the the tightness without trying to make it go away. Realizing that this reflex is a natural process, the defending ourselves, trying to defend ourselves from the painful. It's a natural thing also. But it's also something that hasn't yet really understood that, you know, there's another way of releasing that, which is through openness, through breathing through it, through really seeing it as not-self. And again, you know, when we use these system words like not-self, right, it can be just conceptual, and it doesn't work that way. It makes us more confused. But it's that real, like on an empathic level, it's the sense of, let it be that way. What's this got to do with me? Let it be that way. Hmm. Let it say its own thing. Let the sadness say its own, say its bit. Let the anger say its bit. Let the frustration say its bit. And we listen to that. We listen to it not just through the heart, but we listen to it through the body. Widening and... You know, as you widen with the, through the bodily sense, you find the places that seem energized or activated by a particular mind set, and you widen to the places where it, it doesn't feel that way. you know. So we might feel all tightened up in our throats, but down there in your ankles, your ankles are having a good day. <laughs> as far as they're concerned, life is fine. <laughs> so you go... Take it all the way down till you find the place where it's okay, and then you've got something to hold it. You can't hold it, and it you can't hold the pain with the pain, but you can hold the pain with the non pain. So you just go to that, okay, here it is, you know. Sometimes you just open the space around you. Sometimes it's huge. Remember somebody else. Good friend of mine, when his wife passed away, he had this, you know, walking, meditating with this incredible sense in his chest. And he opened his whole body, and it just got bigger. And he opened into the earth, and it just got bigger. And he opened into the sky, and it just got bigger. And he opened into to open space, and it just blew up. You know? Feeling which just blowing, blowing itself out into open space. Sometimes you need a lot of space. Yeah. Sometimes it's just a lot of time, really. You know, it's not just space; it's also time. All the time in the world. How much energy is there in one's pain? Yeah. How big a space do you need for that to 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 empty itself into? Really practicing Dhamma is, is gift. You're practicing the gift. Accepting the gift. Accepting the gift of the deathless. You We've know, all the time, in fact, there is no death. There's just bodies passing, mind states passing, emotions changing. You know, the deathless is that sense of as long as it takes. Day, year, ten years, decade, lifetime. You know, practicing the gift. The gift is infinite. The gift of time, the gift of space, the gift of that is, is, is infinite, as long as it takes. And staying with it. Mm-hmm. Because what one begins to recognize, maybe as you sense this craving pull to hold, to have, to be, to fill up, to find an answer, to arrive somewhere, to know it all, to you know, have sorted oneself, to have been made worthwhile, to have felt one's pay one's debts to other people, to feel one's all that, you know, the obligations we feel, when will it end? And that pulling to try to find a way for it to end. You know, it seems like a hole there that's pulling, pulling, please fill me up. Mm. Actually isn't a hole. That's why you can't fill it. You can throw everything into that hole. You can throw motorbikes, you can throw vacations in Hawaii, you can throw everything in that hole and it just goes slurp. <laughs> More please. Because it isn't actually a hole. That's why you can't fill it up. It's really it's a block. It's a block. <laughs> you don't fill up blocks, you release blocks. It's blocked energy. It's blocked energy. The energy of the gift. The gift energy, the love energy, the openness energy. And it's all blocked. Mm. Somehow this Dhamma is so big, so much of a gift that a little self can hardly bear it. You know? Our patterns of being, which are naturally, you know, formed, are very finite and limited. When you come up against something that's so big, so open, so much room in it, that, you know, it's like when you lived all your life in a little bedsit, you know, a little tiny little small apartment, you know, and suddenly you go somewhere there's a lot of space and you think oh I want some walls around me I feel kind of (laughs) it's too big out here (laughs) I get like that in Canada it's just it's just too big (laughs) you know I was driving I think Richard drove me through the most densely populated piece of Canada <laughs> it's like it's, you know, every hour or so you might see a house <laughs> somewhere on the horizon. <laughs> Gee, you know, in southern England, you know, you can't turn your head without seeing a house somewhere, <laughs> or or a road or a railway or something. It's just so dense. You know, I was born in London, yeah, tiny little house in London. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Look out the window and there's somebody looking in from next door. (laughs) (laughs) So you realize that's why, you know, the British psyche is like that. You know, it tends to be not wanting to intrude. Don't want to disturb you. You know, kind of close it all in, because you've got 150 people around you. (laughs) You get that sense of trying to hold yourself in. (laughs) There's not enough room to really unfold. Mm. Uh, Don't want to be a nuisance. is very, very British. Don't want to disturb you. Don't want to be a nuisance. Don't want to intrude. Get in your way. As if you know. That, that, that's that's kind of considered absolutely polite and appropriate, not neurotic. <laughs> 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 yeah. Then openness is slightly frightening, right? vulnerable, too much, you know, nervous even. Mm. And we have to just, you know, for all of us, we just that's, that's the way it is. It's a finite where our minds are entrained, our emotions are entrained in particular, particular ways. You know? They're entrained that way and you just can't make them shift overnight. So that's, as, that's about as open as I can be right now, you know, as willing as I can be. I'd have, that's, that's as far as it goes. Okay, that's good enough. It's always good enough. You know, you, you, when you find your, your balance, your level, your steady, that's, that's good enough. And if you really rest and enjoy and embody and appreciate the good enough, then, it's, then, then your limits start to grow. Your boundaries start to widen. You can't do it through some ideal of trying to be bigger, more forgiving, more loving, more accepting than you are right now. It's the form of It's like that. We live within a form, that form is a place for steadying, for developing, for becoming, for so forth. That's the form. And there's no form that's infinite. It's always got some limitation on it, some anxiety, some uncertainties around it, something. You know, but then you, you know the point is that it's not about denying a form. You know, or, or affirming a form, but when we come to the good enough, something says it's just a form. It's just like that. Why? So what? You know. And one's emotional forms. You know, so you might have, have an energy form, like you're not particularly vigorous or strong or whatever. You feel ill, so it's like that. That's that's the form. It's the energy form. It's like that. I'm trying to make it other than that feeling that other people are better, more complete, only strong people can do it, that's gonna mess you up, isn't it? So where's the freedom within the limitation of this body-mind? How good do you have to be? Have just have to be good enough? The most important thing is the integrity, sincerity, acceptance, and really completing your form as it is. All of us live limited lives. And all of us can say, if only. If only I wasn't, I'd be. Yeah. If only I wasn't. The abbot of a monastery. I'd have all this spare time, free, open space, really develop the Buddha's dharma. If only. You know. If only I was a monk, and I'd be able to do this and that. All the free time the space, the openness, and I'd be that. Like, if only I was a nun, I'd be able to you know, not having to get caught up with family, all these things. If only I was that, (laughs) you know, we're dying into our life. We had some reflections on dying and the real, one of the dying's we do, is we die into our life, we say, dying is the place where there's no alternative and no future. That's the dying psychologically, you know. We probably only physically die once, but psychologically you want to keep dying every day, <laughs> which means dying into your life. You say, it's this now. There's no alternative, there's no future to become. This is, this is this, you know. The limitation, that's just the boundary within which one can develop, one can realize the freedom freedom of non self, non proliferation, no, if only, why am I, what could I be? She's got a better deal than I have. People who don't have this must be having a good time, you know. Doesn't work that way. Doesn't work that way. Dukkha doesn't end that way. You just transfer it to another place, that's all. If only I was a Zen monk, I'd be able to do calligraphy and rake gravel, cool things like that. <laughs> I, always, I really like to just spend my time doing calligraphy and raking gravel. That's cool as far as I'm concerned. Theravada, you, you know, you have to do those things on the sly. My emotional body wasn't like this, if I wasn't shy or awkward or you know be if I was one of those people who are just always sunny and genial, that would be nice, wouldn't it? In this way. Yeah, you know <laughs> I haven't seen anybody that I know <laughs> who doesn't suffer. <laughs> yeah. I mean one of the beings who seem to be not to have a lot of suffering, Venerable Ajahn Chah, it wasn't very ideal. It's short, fat, dumpy. <laughs> 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 Homely, you know. Didn't speak English. Kind of hardly much education from the Isan. Spent his time as a monastery with hundreds of monks and nuns. People going crazy, complaining all the time. Ups and downs. Monks are playing where people go mad, you know, and really go crazy. All their defilements, their stuff comes lurking out. He's sitting in the middle of it, you know. No, you know, it's noisy, agitated, confused places. And he's sitting in the middle of it going, goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> when Young Nun, it's like that. It's just like that. You know? you know, he wasn't being ideal, but he wasn't, didn't see me doing much suffering. Just like that. Yeah. Good enough, and that was one of his expressions. Poor D, good enough. Just make it good enough. You know. Now the idealistic mind, you know, is if you want the best, impeccable, the purest, the strongest, the rock-like. You know. This is more fantasy. Self needs fantasy. Doesn't do reality. Yeah. So what do we want the reality as it is or create another more fantasies? <laughs> mm. uh, the conditioned, the limited, the finite, the born. <laughs> the body, the mind, the emotions, the thoughts, the perceptions, the feelings, the memories. It's conditioned, <laughs> finite. You know, and it's Buddha, I don't think the Buddha... Must have said this twenty-eight thousand times at least. <laughs> Do not cling to this. This is not your. This is not self. It's impermanent, unsatisfactory, not self. You know, so that then the mind, you know, concocts something else. You know, some, you know, immortal essence or something else to be or have or whatever. You know. So you the, the, uh, know the recommendation or the presentation is to just. Uh, this process of tanha, craving is a proliferating tendency. Proliferating. It always makes something out of something. Adds more to it. Adds more to it. More to it. Alternative. Comments, sub-comments, sub-commentaries on the sub-commentaries. And so forth. The, recognize that particular energy, the proliferating tendency. Say, you know, where's that going? What does it feel like? Does it taste like freedom? Do you think freedom's going to happen sometime in the future to someone else than you are? Do you think that's where freedom is? That would be a condition, wouldn't it? That would condition freedom. Wouldn't it? It would be putting a condition, a contract around it. Freedom has no contract. Doesn't do contracts. Doesn't do deals. Doesn't say if you do this, I'll give you one of these. Doesn't do those deals. But it does say, "Look, I'm here. You just, you know, stop getting so preoccupied in your stuff. (laughs) Wake up. I'm waiting for you. You know, the gift is here. Could you just turn around and pick it up?" (laughs) That's the, that's the only deal <laughs> Where is that where does it come from Where does that where is that yeah. So in practice we just find this point of, of balance as good as we can be as steady as we can be you know, and saying is there something else you could just not have to do right now just right now you know I mean tomorrow, in an hour's time, but just right now, is something you don't have to do right now. Is there something there where there's some sense of ease or okayness and you want to just really home in on that, rest on that? Where's the place of resting? Mm. Now, they're both there. They're both there. There's the sense of something more is needed and there's also somewhere which generally speaks loudest But somewhere there's a, it's okay. It doesn't speak very loud. That's where you want to really rest, rest, resting. Mm. So that we can give ourselves the time, the moment, the occasion to open to the deathless. one of the practices you might call it a practice or an inclination or a modality that you've seen presented here perhaps in referred to but not really perhaps explained is the devotional sense devotional sense and here we're using Buddha, Dhamma, Sangha as devotional themes to catalyze that making lighting candles bowing, chanting to who, to what you think the Buddha is saying, you know, come on, I want my chanting today. <laughs> the Buddha doesn't care, one or another. What, is, what, is, what actually happens in that? There's a sense of, uh, there's an energy, isn't there? It requires some energy, some application. doesn't really matter if you get the words wrong. doesn't matter if your voice is a bit croaky. Uh, you know? <laughs> Doesn't matter if there's no incense, light a candle, no candles. Doesn't really matter, but it's the gesture. You know, we're offering. We are the gift. We're really affirming ourselves as the gift, making the gift just the gift. Give it the gift. And that's that's the de- that's the devotion. Yeah, and it's this uh, gesture where everybody's good enough. Yeah, the sick. The young, the old, the confused, the bewildered, the calm, the content, whatever it is, it's all, you know, it's just being given. It's just the gift of that, this gift of that, it's that opening of that. Yeah. So that's, that's like preparing the ground and opening the ground. We ask for nothing, ask for nothing. all we want to do is have a chance to be the gift there's changing that energy that block the pull in which is not a hole but a block that's what starts to release it or one theme one theme that is suggested for softening and releasing that that hole which is a block the tanha the ignorance the compounding, the unknowing just offering Surrendering. The Buddha, see, this is widening the view. So with samadhi, we're just steadying, widening the energies, samatha, vipassana, we're widening the view. From self-interest, from changing things, from fixing things, from having something, from getting somewhere, just widening that view to all The time in the world to just be the gift that's given, given, endlessly given, endlessly given. To me, this is. uh, has beautiful resonance to it. It doesn't matter what you give. And don't be ashamed of it or embarrassed by it. And isn't that. Isn't a beauty in that? An unplugging, an unblocking of the contractions and the desperations and the regrets. Mm. So this is certainly one, one theme we allow to pass through us to see how that resonates, how that, how that something in us can be shifted through a process like that, a very simple process like that. Remember, it's all holistic. So in any of these practices... You're looking for that taste of freedom. Do you know what freedom is? Yeah. Yeah. What, what does it taste like? And no pressure, no obligation, no comparison, no past, no future, no deals, no deals, no gaining, no losing, no deals. Isn't that the freedom? Mm-hmm. This is just the f- presentation. Mm-hmm. So in this, there's an ending of the dualism. We recognise the, you know, dualism is when we train, train the mind. Respond to the feelings. You know, there's a dualism there, isn't there? You know, there's, there's some sense of something holding or working with this. With the dualism, is the wisdom is working on the on the ignorance, or something like that? You know, or the calming is working on the agitation. This is a, the dualism, and as the dualism goes so far, you know, so far as an ending to karma, an ending to the activities. It ends in the gift, the relinquishment. So offer this for your reflection.